Come, Holy Spirit, come by the most powerful intercession of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, your well-beloved spouse. The Church gives us a very beautiful gospel this morning, the Wedding Feast of Cana, which is important for us for a number of reasons. We could uh, look to the very end of of the gospel where St. John tells us that Jesus performed this miracle as the beginning of his signs. And throughout the the gospel of John, Jesus' miracles are referred to as signs because they, they reveal, they point to who he is, his true identity. And this changing of the water into wine at the wedding feast of Cana was the first of his signs. It was the first public miracle that our Lord performed. And in doing so, the gospel tells us that he revealed his glory and his disciples began to believe in him. But there's another important reason why this event uh, stands out and why it's particularly beautiful for, for us as Catholics is that this first public miracle of our Lord was accomplished through the intercession of his mother, through the intercession of Mary. And so it's a a beautiful biblical passage for us to be encouraged in our going to Mary with our needs and with our petitions and trusting that she will bring them to her son, right? And that the Lord uh, is a faithful son. He always does what his mother asks him, as we see in the gospel. And so it's an encouragement for us to to have confidence in Mary's intercession. She was the one who noticed that they were out of wine. Now, obviously, Jesus already knew that, right? He's God. He's omniscient. He knows everything. But Jesus wants his mother to cooperate with his messianic mission. He wants her to participate and to fulfill her proper role. Right? And so Mary uh, has a, a number of roles uh, in God's uh, plan of our salvation, one of which is to be the queen mother. So in the Old Testament, the queen in the kingdom of David, in the kingdom of Israel, was not the king's wife, but the king's mother. Right? And the queen mother had enormous influence, and it was her responsibility to bring the needs of the subjects to the king right? so that they could be addressed. And Mary beautifully and perfectly fulfills that role in the kingdom of her son. She is the queen mother. She's aware of and attentive to our needs. And she wants us to come to her with that childlike confidence so that she can then go with us in presenting those petitions to her son. And so Mary comes to Jesus, uh, informs him that they have no wine. There's this mysterious Uh, dialogue and interaction between them that that some people sometimes misunderstand, right? Jesus is is revealing Mary's identity as the woman, right? Uh, Foretold in Genesis, uh, whose seed would crush the head of the serpent. And Jesus reveals that his hour is not yet come. His hour is the hour of the cross, where Mary too will be present. But Mary knows uh, that Jesus is going to do what she asks, and so she tells the servers, as she tells each one of us, do whatever he tells you. And and the the rest, as they say, is history. Jesus uh, miraculously changes water into wine, providing abundantly for the needs of the people. The Lord wants to bless us 
with abundance. He is generous and good, and he never runs out of grace to offer to his people. You know, if you do the math, uh, Jesus provided anywhere between 120 and 180 gallons of wine, right? An abundance to provide for this wedding feast, this celebration that went on uh, for many days, rejoicing uh, in that gift of, of marriage. And Jesus, too, he wants to provide an abundance for us. And so he wants us to come to him with our needs and our petitions through his mother, right? asking him to hear and answer our prayers. But if you think about the, the miracle that he performed here, uh, providing wine for this wedding feast, eventually the wine would have run out, right? It, it wasn't an unending, endless supply of wine. It was for that specific time and place to address that specific need. And very often, the the prayers and petitions that we bring to our Lord, they are uh, somewhat specific in addressing a need that's present. We we could kind of think of them as they're they're somewhat temporal. You know, we might be asking for something material or something uh, financial or or physical, or maybe it's our health. And, And those are all good things to bring to the Lord. But if you think about it, none of those are really going to last forever. There may be more for a specific time and place. But God wants to provide us with a gift that is unending, that is endless, that never runs out, that endures forever. That gift that he wants to give us is really ultimately himself. The gift of his love, the gift of his life, the gift of fellowship and communion with him. And he does that in any any number of ways. And one of them is connected with the gospel. There's parallels between uh, the wedding feast at Cana and what we're doing right now here at Mass. So at the wedding feast, the miracle that Jesus performed is he changed water into wine. He changed one substance into another substance. Well, that's what he does at Mass in an even more marvelous and miraculous way. Because he changes bread and wine into his body and blood, right? Nourishing us in abundance, not just our bodies, but ultimately our souls. And there's many other ways in which the Lord wants to bestow his abundant blessings upon us. One of the uh, most important up there with the Eucharist uh, is his ultimate gift. What is the ultimate gift of God? We actually heard about it in the second reading. The Holy Spirit. In the scriptures and in the teaching of the church, the Holy Spirit is the ultimate gift of God because it is the love of God poured out into our hearts, the love between the Father and the Son. And St. Paul, in our second reading from Corinthians, he talks about the one Holy Spirit that provides manifold gifts for his people. And so the Lord wants to bestow upon us his ultimate gift, and he already has Right? Through our baptism and confirmation and through our faith and the sacraments, the gift of his Holy Spirit. But with that gift comes many others as well. And so St. Paul uh, lists all of these different gifts of the Holy Spirit, these different charisms or graces. Uh, there's other places in the New Testament where he speaks about them. Uh, and the church has, has always understood these are gifts that the Lord wants to bestow upon his people. Right? To help us carry out our mission to help us accomplish the work that God has called us to do because God is always faithful in giving us what we need. So St. Paul lists a number of gifts. It's not an exhaustive list. There's other places where he speaks of others. Uh, and, And there's really countless gifts that the Lord wants to give us through his spirit. 
St. Paul mentions the expression of wisdom, the expression of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, mighty deeds, prophecy, discernment of spirits, varieties of tongues, interpretations of tongues. Elsewhere, he mentions administration, teaching, uh, service. Again, there's countless gifts that the Lord wants to provide to help each one of us in our vocation, in our life, in our mission, right? to, to, to equip us, to supply us with what we need so that we can faithfully carry out his work. And we want to continually turn to him, asking him to give us his gifts, to bestow his grace and his blessing and his spirit upon us. Ultimately, all of this is ordered towards one thing, our union with Him, our relationship with Him, our communion with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the whole purpose of creation. That's the whole purpose of our lives, is to enter more deeply into this loving, intimate relationship with our God. That's what we heard about in our first reading from the prophet Isaiah, right? That, that the Lord wants to espouse us to Himself, that He delights in us, as a bridegroom delights in his bride. This is the theme of of the whole scriptures. This is the theme of all of salvation history, right? Marriage, it it comes up over and over and over again from the very beginning to the very end. Adam and Eve, all throughout the Old Testament, uh, our gospel today, Jesus, the true bridegroom of the church is at a wedding feast, right? Revealing his glory. And then all the way to the end, the book of Revelation ends with heaven as the wedding feast of the Lamb. And so this theme, this sign of marriage reveals to us the whole reason God created us and what he desires for us. Marriage helps us as best we can in this life, it's always going to be imperfect, to understand the type of love that God has for us, the type of uh, intimate relationship that he desires with us. And you know, here on earth, uh, everybody's experience of marriage, it's not perfect. We're, we're all fallen. We're flawed. Um, and so we want to try to uh, understand what is it pointing to? What perfection? What's the ideal, right? That marriage as God created it is trying to help us see, right? This relationship of perfect, complete, total love, the, the, the complete gift of oneself, fidelity, generosity, fruitfulness, Right? Uh, laying down one's life and, and devoting oneself to another. That's the type of love that God has for us. That's what he wants for us. And he, he bestows his grace and his blessings and ultimately his Holy Spirit upon us to unite us with himself, to, to give us a gift that never ends, that doesn't run out, that, that never dries up, the gift of his perfect, infinite, endless love and life given to us in the Holy Eucharist, in the, in the body and blood of our Lord, given to us in this gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, truly, the Lord is generous with his people. He wants us to come to him uh, with all of our needs, asking him uh, to ultimately give us himself, because with him uh, comes everything we could ever desire to truly satisfy us, to truly sustain us in this life as we journey uh, to that perfect wedding feast, that perfect uh, union of heaven.